When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. I'm getting weary looking in my baby's eyes. When she's near me, she's so hard to recognize. And I finally realize there's no room for regret. True love, true love, true love tends to forget. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about True Love Tends to Forget from 1978's underrated album, Street Legal, is fellow Bobcat, John Halsey. Hi, John. Hey, how are you, Rob? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. I can't wait. Uh, I mean, I love doing the show, but I especially love doing songs from Street Legal. Uh, if anything in the Bob Dylan canon can be considered still at this at this rate, uh, after all the Nobels and Oscars and Grammys and Pulitzers, can be considered underrated. I, I still Definitely consider underrated Legal, record. Yeah, I still consider Street Legal to be kind of an underappreciated record. So anytime uh, we get to talk about a song from this record, I'm kind of extra excited. So this will be fun to, to talk about. But first, of course, you've been on, you haven't been on the show before. So uh, like, how did you become a fan of Bob? Well, this is this is a bit uh, on the on the odder end of things. It was I was probably 15 years old. It was uh, 1985, and Empire Burlesque was out. <laughs> and you, you, you know, you're 15 years old, and you're looking, I guess, to find something that separates you from other people, like an identity. You know, you're kind of seeking something, searching for something. And uh, one night, I'm on MTV. And the video for Tight Connection comes on. I watch the video and I'm like, no, oh, this is this is pretty cool. You know, a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff going on in the video. And the video ends and Martha Quinn looks right into the camera and says, what looks large from a distance? Close up ain't never that big. And I'm like, whoa, you know, <laughs> that's deep. And Martha Quinn just said it. So uh, she was a fan. Point, she was definitely uh, a fan. She was definitely a fan. She was definitely a fan. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm buying that record because that sounds like something that, uh, that's different than, you know, whatever else was on the radio at that time. Or not, I mean, on MTV at that time. It seemed like it had a little mystery to it, maybe something a little deeper. And, uh, and this is the, uh, and by a str- another strange, this is, this is weird too. Like a few days later, you remember Columbia Record, How- record Club where. Oh, absolutely. Once a month, they would send you a random cassette tape or, or yeah, I think, yeah, CD. I, I got Kansas's greatest hits, and I'm like, oh, I didn't order this. This is horrible, right? Why would I? Why would I? Why would I want this record? No, no offense to Kansas fans out there, but uh, I mean, I don't want the uh, guys from Carry On You Wayward Podcast uh, knocking down your your Rob, but uh, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, I call my uncle. I'm like, hey, I got this cassette tape. I don't want it. You want to trade some some stuff you got? And uh, he's never known for his taste or anything. So I get to his house, and he's got Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits cassette tape. And I'm like, you want to trade with that? And he traded me. And from that point on, it was uh, basically just going back through the back catalog. Uh, probably started with Times, times They Are Changing or Freewheeling at that point and just worked my way up. Now, okay, you 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 skipped a big part there, and I'm I'm fascinated. When you got Empire Burlesque, what was what was the reaction? Because I mean, you know, 
it, it's a, it's a, I know, <laughs> so, you know, I know, what, you're, some, I know what you're saying for some Bob fans. That's uh, you know, a little bit of a heavy lift. <laughs> I know, I know. But then you get the dark eyes and think, okay, well, this is okay. I'm, I'm into this. And you know, there's, there's a couple gems on there, you know, but uh, there was enough on there that made me want to explore more, I guess, you know, I mean, obviously, it must have been. Now, you said you went on to, you know, the other records. I mean, can you remember what the feeling was of, of you? I mean, I, I am sort of fascinated at someone who starts with Empire Burlesque because it's such an atypical album. It is. It is a weird record. And and then I bought everything. After that, I bought the next few. I'm like, my God, can this, you know, my friends are like, what are you doing? You know, the Poison record's coming out. And I'm buying, <laughs> you know. I'm buying, you know, knocked out and low. You know, it's just one of those things where people look at you in my age group at the time, like you're nuts. You know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just, uh, I don't know, something about it. You know, it was just something about that. And I think at the time I was probably reading a lot of Rolling Stone magazine and, you know, the name Bob Dylan was out there, but I really, you know, I knew he was famous. I knew he was important, but I didn't know much about him, you know? And like I said, when you're 15, you're kind of looking to uh, latch on to something, find something that, uh, you know, might make you different. You know, you know what I mean? Trying to sure. find identity. Uh, you know, in the back of the Rolling Stone magazine, they said those literature t-shirts and there was like the get your Jack Kerouac t-shirt. I'm like, I don't know who this Jack Kerouac was. You know, I had no idea 15, but you start, uh, you know, you start, getting the Dylan, you realize, oh, Jack Kerouac, you know, you buy the Robert Shelton uh, uh, book when it comes out in 86 or whatever, and you start, uh, you know, you start exploring, you start digging deep, going back, you know, it's uh, one of those type situations, you know. That's, uh, again, that's an amazing thought. I mean, a, a lot of the, I think for a lot of things in pop culture or any sort of entertainment or any art that you engage with, the first version you hear of it, is in, in, in a lot of people's mind, that's the version. And then every other version is, is com- compared to that first one. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. sort of like when the people say about, you know, your favorite James Bond is the first one you saw because that's, that's what the one that imprinted and then everything else that is, you know, even if like Sean Connery wasn't your first James Bond, you're kind of like, well, he's not Roger Moore. Well, not, right. you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. And so right, I'm, right. again, I, I, the idea that like Empire Burlesque is sort of, the thing that imprinted in Bob <laughs> in your mind. Yeah, yeah, Dylan. I know it's, it's weird. I mean, with the uh, with the with the uh, animal print shirts and the eye <laughs> and the uh, dangly string, earring and the string uh, tie and, uh, and the whole bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was one of the. I don't know. It's just something. I think it was the words. You know, uh, dark eyes is on that, and mm-hmm. so, lyrically, it's you know, it's still, you know, strong in points, but, you know, I started digging back deeper and that's where you, you know, that's where you, that's where you really get into it, you know, when you start, uh, you know, getting back in some of those earlier records. Absolutely. I would love to know the stats of how many times MTV played Tight Connection in My Heart. Like, that's probably, probably twice. Probably twice. My Martha probably Quinn twice. probably insisted on it, and that was it. After that, I don't. I can't imagine any of the other DJs are clamoring for for taking that <laughs> my heart. Have, have you Have you seen the the Wembley interview with Martha Quinn and yes. Bob? Yes, that is amazing. She was so kind to him. She yep. fixed eyeliner. 
and they have a very good interview all the way through. And he thanks her at the end. And I think she kind of had like a love for him or like an affinity for him. And I think she probably was the one you're right, pushing that record on MTV because, uh, yeah, maybe four or five times they played it. Maybe, you know, I just happened to be there that day where she was on there and said and repeated those lines from the end of the song. You know, I think I read in a book, uh, one of the books I have on Dylan, but when they did an interview, it might've been that one. I think it was off the air, but it's on the interview went off. He said to her, you asked some really good questions. He did. I saw. I, I, oh, that's I on air. It. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, that's... You, I saw. I saw it on YouTube in the last few months, and I'm like, that is, you know, what a compliment. Yeah, compliment. And I think she. Uh, I think she maybe had a romantic entanglement with David Lee Roth. She's asking about Manny Roth, Dave's uncle, and he's like, yeah, he got me my first job at the uh, Cafe Wa, you know, <laughs> and he bought somebody their first radio, and I think that kind of. I don't know, something connected them in that interview. And I I think she's probably the only reason he was on MTV, play, that video was played, you know. Probably, yeah. I can remember, uh, not to turn this into the Martha Quinn episode, but I can remember when, right too, not too long, kind of similar to you, not too long after I got into Bob, uh, they played, she played, this might have been near the end of her run on MTV, she played the video for uh, Political World. Wow. And I and I thought that that video was great. That's a, just a really great video. And then I remembered after it was done, she quoted a line. And that made, you know, it's like, well, she's obviously a fan. You know, she's not just yeah. someone yeah. who just has some notes in front of her. She's obviously a fan. And she's quoting the lyrics. And you could tell how thrilled she was. And again, they probably played that video maybe three times on yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> so. she, uh, in, in that interview in Wembley, she asked him about videos and and he said he had a great idea for Neighborhood Bully. And she's like, well, why didn't it get made? And he's like, you know, I don't have time for that or I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and she's like, well, you have people that could kind of help you out with that. And he's like, you know, I had this great idea and the video didn't get made. And I'm thinking, well, that was the prior. That was Infidel. So maybe yeah. he want this video to be made for this song. I think he, uh, he probably thinks it's pretty cin- cinematic, you know, so uh, so yeah, that's how it all started. <laughs> that's great. That's amazing. That, again, of, of all the records to start with. I know. Uh, I yeah, know. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's you know, yeah, I, I bought, uh, you know, uh, the movie, uh, God, I can't, this slips my mind right now, but he had two songs on it. Uh, you know, the movie came out late eighties where he was, uh, the movie he was in hearts of fire. Yeah. Hearts oh, of fire. I bought that soundtrack the day one. And pretty disappointed you kind of had nowhere to go but up at that point really you know i was like what i was like what is going on with this you know two songs uh one of them is one of them is a john hyatt cover which is really good but still it's you know yes there were some you know you know there's some albums i bought you know it's not like nowadays where you can just listen to an album you can stream something and say ah you know these are the three songs the other Mm -hmm. one wow yeah wow boy (laughs) yeah so okay, have you have you seen him live? I, I saw him uh, in Cincinnati on the 9th of November, actually. Oh, excellent! Great, great show. I, I heard your uh, your show from a few weeks ago when you had the uh, oh the Rough and Rowdy Way show, yeah. The the Bob Bobcat Quartet mm-hmm. on that evening, and uh, you know, same set list as, as most everybody. Uh, you know, no encore. Um, you know, I loved, you know, I've seen him eight to 10 times over the years. First saw him in late 80s and it was a large stadium. And yeah, the band was, I don't know, it's just one of those shows where, I don't know, I'm like, 
love Bob Dylan, but that first live experience made me think, man, ah, you just couldn't understand. I don't know. The band was like almost like a louder, heavy metal type. It was, it was a mm-hmm. weird, weird, weird deal. And uh, my father went with me and we both left going, hmm, that was interesting, you know. Uh, <laughs> But since then, I've seen him in some smaller. I, I prefer the smaller venues. Uh, I think he he translates better in in, in those smaller video venues. And uh, the show I saw in Cincinnati, I took my 16 year old son named Dylan. Um, nice. And after my uncle. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, good good show all the way all the way through. And uh, you know, when I first saw the set list, I saw Melancholy Mood on there. I'm thinking, oh. You know, that was my gateway song into his, uh, you know, his standards records. You know, that was like the gateway song. And I saw it on the set list from the first couple of nights. And I'm thinking, there's no way that's going to stay, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 12 days. You know, I'll, I won't get to hear that live. But he played it live. And I was, mm-hmm. I know one of your, uh, one of your guests from a previous show, that was like the low point of the show for him was that was that song. But I, I was really yearning to hear that live and i was happy to hear that live now have you when you you said you've seen him eight to ten times uh did he happen to play anything from empire burlesque during any of those shows that's probably it's a hard lift i don't believe so i don't believe so um not at all no i'm trying to think of when the i've never heard him uh, do anything from Empire Burlesque. To my memory, I don't think I've ever heard him do anything from Empire Burlesque. Oh wait, wait a minute. What, what am I talking about? I saw him when I when I saw him in nineteen ninety five with Patty Smith, and he was duetting on with her on Dark Eyes. Like take That's, that back. That would, yeah. There we go. He was doing cool. Dark yeah, that would be that would be something to see right there. It would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so that's great that you got to see him on this current swing. Every song was great. Every song was great. You know. Every- what did you? What did Go you ahead. think? What did you think of the Rough and Rowdy Way songs? Getting to hear them live for the first time, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, Dark Rider. I mean, that was a song that I liked on the record, but I never thought I'd. I never thought he would play it live. You know, I didn't think he'd play. You know, all the songs from one particular album. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't that uh, Mother of Muses when the album came out. That was a sleeper for me. That's the song on the album when I first went through the album. I was like. Yeah, of all the songs, that's kind of one of my least favorites on the record. But, you know, a month and a half in, I'm like, let me put that on again. And then it's like, okay, it, it's up there now. It's up there for me. And I was happy to hear that as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, as we talked about on the show, he really was able to put a lot of those uh, across uh, really, really well. And uh, it, uh, it, to me, it bodes well for how long they're, how they're going to age into the future as we hear them years from now when he starts tinkering with them, changing them around, uh, they're all going to be become part of the, you know, the vast canon that he's got. And, uh, it's going to be really fast. I was enjoying hearing them the way they sound on the record fresh, but it'll also be cool to see how they age over time and which ones he hangs on to and which ones, you know, get left, left behind. Yeah. I had, uh, as I was, well, I could tell there are some people in the audience behind me who weren't familiar with the record because some of the lines, you know, uh, you know, go home to your wife, stop visiting mine. There's a couple ladies behind me. I heard him snicker at that, you know, <laughs> like that out loud. And I thought, oh, these ladies have never heard this before. <laughs> to the other line, I hear him really laughing at that, you know. And, uh, you know, as we're leaving this man, a few guys, we're walking through the aisles to leave, and some guy's like all gruff and like, must be nice, you know, be able to be that established. Uh, 
play a bunch of damn songs no one's ever heard before. You know, he's really angry about he came, you know. So, I mean, if Peter Noon was in town doing like a Hermit's thing, that guy would have been there the next night. He just was going to see, to relive the 60s, I think, you Mm. know. And I don't think Bob Dylan wants to relive the 60s, I think. Not quite. He's now, he's more of a now, you know, this new album is, you know, 21st century, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He not busy being born, is busy dying. Uh, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> well, okay, so let's let's talk about True Love Tends to Forget. Uh, this is from side two of uh, Street Legal. Do you remember, what is your overall opinion of, of Street Legal? I mean, you, you agreed with me that it's underrated, but I mean, overall, I where, where does it fit in, in your sort of personal canon of his record? <sighs> I, you know, I got into this record. It's, there are certain records that were kind of, you know, neglected by me. And it was the Christian period. And this was right before the Christian period. So this kind of got lumped into those records that, you know, you hear the, the horrible things about. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, these are records you don't really want to deal with, you know. Hmm. But uh, then I heard Changing of the Guards. And I'm like, well, Wait a minute. What's the, what records that you know? What record is that from? So uh, that that got me into this record, and uh, you know, you can tell he's bitter. He's going for, through some stuff on this on this record, and uh, you know, I hear the production was not. You know, I know they remixed it and remastered it and fixed a lot of the production issues and stuff, but uh, you know, he's going for a different sound. He's he's leaving the desire. Uh, the desire sound behind with the violin and a lot more of the mystical type lyrics and stuff. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a good solid record. I think it's uh, of its time. I know Springsteen was making records around that time. And you, you kind of hear whoever was producing, trying to make this a big record. You know what I mean? Music wise, music wise, the backup singers and the, the horns and everything. But uh, you know, it, it's a good record all the way around. Yeah, this was this was one of the ones I got uh, when I was discovering Bob that I hadn't I didn't know anything about. I had heard of Blood on the Tracks, I had heard of Highway sixty one, but Street Legal was one of those ones I was like, all right, this is this is one of his records, um, and I immediately liked it. Part of it was like you said, the, the the lead in from Changing of the Guards. That song's just amazing. Yeah, that's um, an amazing song. It got its hooks into me, and I was uh, you know just like, okay, now I'm on board. But the whole album, I mean, from beginning to end, I've loved. I've already gone on and on about uh, how much I love. Uh, where are you tonight journey through dark heat that was one of the first songs we did on the show because i just i love it so much that's an amazing song yeah i think it's one of his greatest album closers uh but one of the other things i love about this record is you talk about he was going through a lot of stuff obviously and there's a lot of bitterness there's a lot of pain there's a lot of anger but there's a a kindness to some of the songs a a melancholy and a kind of case sort of thing which bob doesn't always do all, you know, uh, he and and I, I, he's good at it. And this is one of those songs where there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of sadness, but there's not that bitter anger uh, directed at uh, somebody out there. And yeah. this is one of those songs that just has the kind of sweet sort of, you know, true love tends to forget. Like, is this kind of like, well, we did the best we could kind of thing. And I, I like that. And the, the way this song kind of, it has that sort of sort of sweet feel to it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a it's a it's it's a it's a great little song. Uh, I was playing it uh, a few months back, and my sixteen-year-old—he's in the car, 
and you get to the point where you know you're a tearjerker baby <laughs> and your spell and he looks at me and goes you know what eh, taylor, taylor swift could sing this song you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm like well I guess I could maybe the next time they do a big uh, concert, you know, maybe she can get up on stage tribute and maybe she can get up on stage and, uh, you know, and play this song, you know, because <laughs> you're a tearjerker, would, baby. I would yeah. love to hear, I would love to hear Tay Tay uh, take on this, this street yeah. legal song. That'd be pretty that's, that's the point of view from a 16 year old. So yeah, you can hear Taylor singing that, you know? That's, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Well, that's a perfect, perfect opportunity to read some of the further on in the song of the lyrics. It says, <laughs> hold me, baby, be near. You told me that you'd be sincere every day of the year, like playing Russian roulette. True love, true love tends to forget that one. That's a little bit of a, a, a harsher line. I was lying down in the reeds without any oxygen. I saw you in the wilderness among the men. So you drift, to, drift into infinity and come back again. All you got to do is wait and I'll tell you when. And it's sort of funny. One of the reasons I, I like, uh, I mean, look, I love all Bob Dylan songs, obviously, but I, I like his songs when he's being elliptical and metaphorical, but I also like the ones where he's being very straightforward. And yeah. most of the song is very straightforward. It's just someone talking to someone else. And then that, that, the, that verse where it says, I was lying down in the reeds with any oxygen. I saw you in the wilderness. among So you drift into infinity and come back again, back again. that, that kind of sticks out a little as it's like, well, that's like really florid in the middle of the sort of straightforward right. song. And then I found this great quote from Bob where he was interviewed with by song talk magazine, where they quote that line back to him. And he says, those are probably lyrics left over from my songwriting days with Jack Levy. To me, that's what they sound like. So I love that even Bob is like, yeah, that's kind of weird. That line. I think that was a Jacques Levy thing. I thought that was great that he was like, yeah, I think yeah. I wrote that. that. I love that he has that kind of perception of like, yeah, that line does stick out in the song a little. It's not, it's not bad, but it does. Yeah. It is unlike the rest of the lyrics in the song. I, I think I read something where he said something similar that those lines came from the desire sessions or something. I read something <laughs> similar, uh, you know, and I that whole you know lying down in the reeds without any oxygen. You know, there's there's the uh, yeah, you know, there's the the Greek the Greek myth with uh, Pan and uh, what Syrinx, where he's chasing her through the wilderness, and uh, he's amorous for her, and he goes, and she's scared, and she goes to like these nymphs, river nymphs, or something, and uh, she asks for help, and as right he about right he's right about ready to grab her, they turn her into a bundle of reeds or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. And when he breathes on her, you know, or it makes a sound, you know, his breath over through the reeds makes, uh, makes a sound or something like that. And I'm thinking, man, he's down in the reeds without any oxygen, without, any, without even a, re you know, to make a, make a noise. You know, I think of things like that when I, when I hear, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but it is. Oh, no, that's marvelous. That's, I've never, I've never heard that. That's great. It is a Greek, it is a Greek myth, you know, and, uh, I don't know, that's, uh, you know, and, uh, I know he was on tour with Ginsburg through Rolling Thunder and Ginsburg is a big William Blake fan and they had like reeds of innocence and stuff. So you kind of wonder where that imagery, the reeds actually comes from, you know, hmm. that's, yeah, that's superb. Like I said, I love that a lot. I get, I get to completely imagine Bob 
pulling that out of there and sticking it into this uh, song. Now, the next line is you already quoted said you're the, 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 uh, <laughs> your, the, your son, like you're a tearjerker baby, but I'm under your spell. I could hear Tay Tay singing that. Uh, you're a hard worker baby and I know you well, but this weekend in hell weekend is in making hell. me sweat. What a great, just what a marvelous turn of phrase. This weekend in hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dramatic. And then, of course, it gets literal. It's making me sweat. Well, because hell's really hot. Yeah, sure. It makes total sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a great tune all the way through. Now, uh, I heard the uh, girls, the North Country version of this. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I saw it on YouTube. Uh, I, 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 I did, too. Mayor Winningham is one of the backup singers, yeah, the actress Mayor yeah. Winningham. Yeah. It puts this song in a whole different light as well, you know? It's it's amazing how many how many of Dylan's songs can be converted into gospel songs with seemingly barely an effort. You know, they immediately yeah. just have that sound. You're like, oh yeah, this sounds like a when you have this chorus of backup singers, it sounds like a gospel song. It's uh, it's just amazing. Now, one of the um, one of the things I, I found interesting about again doing the research for this uh, this song is about how the whole record came together, and initially he. Uh, it seems like he composed the bulk of this album, uh, at least the songs in kind of one furious session on his farm. And he would play the songs for the woman in his life uh, at the time, I believe the Faridi McCree, I believe is one of the okay. singers. And then he uh, played on piano virtually the whole album for three friends. And um, they initially apparently started recording it. And he like pushes the mic away at some point and says, no, 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 don't record this, but they recorded it anyway. And that bootleg is out there. I've never heard it. Are you serious? Yeah, I would that, love to hear that. Yeah. And well, the, one of the things that, that I find really interesting, especially with this song, is that, uh, again, according to uh, the, record, the book, The Recording Sessions, he had like a dozen other phrases for this song that kept, <laughs> that kept leading to the rhyme, true love tends to forget. And he would wow. just go through them all. And some of the lines are, I'll leave my pride on the doorstep where we met. I'll be on top of a world that's upset. Shall I ride into the sunset? And you get all of them <laughs> rhyming with the, and when I read that, again, I've never heard that, that rehearsal version. I would love to hear it. I mean, come on, Sony, let's get with the bootleg series. This, this come on, Sony. Let's yeah. get on with that. But one of the things I love about when I read that is, you know, the idea of sort of craft versus inspiration. And a lot of a lot of the great creative work that we all appreciate is ninety percent, you know, craft and perspiration, not so much inspiration. And for this song, he's got the initial inspiration to create the song, and then at a certain point, when you're just trying to come up with lines to rhyme with the chorus, it's craft, and that's not a bad yeah, that's not a bad thing. But it's pure craft at that point. And I love the idea that he probably had like a hundred alts for these lines just so he could get to rhyming with forget. And yeah, for, yeah. for someone who loves language like Bob, that must've been kind of almost fun to just sort of have to retrofit the line, knowing it's got to fit this line you've already written. And so I loved reading those three alts, but I'm like, man, I wonder if he, how many more of those he had. He had the thesaurus out, you know, he, <laughs> he, he was browsing through that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Wow. Yeah, I would love to hear that. I mean, again, it, it's got to be it's got to be out there now. Um, lyrically, uh, on the in the in the the song as it's listed here, 
on the on bobdylan.com and again as we've established not everything on bobdylan.com is right. totally totally accurate but it ends with you belong to me baby without any doubt don't forsake me baby don't sell me out don't keep me knocking about from mexico to tibet true love true love true love tends to forget when i hear the song i think he sounds like he's saying don't shut me out and on the here it says don't sell me out am i I've hearing always- you what I've you always heard? heard it. I've always, I always hear it as sell me out. Because you I always, hear it as, okay. I hear it as sell me out because they always think, you know, uh, pretty much don't, don't forsake me. Don't get rid of me. And then if you are, well, don't, it's not, you know, he's a very private individual. So I think, you know, what kind of secrets is someone going to go out and, you know, sell, you know what I mean? Gotcha. You know, the big Barbara, Barbara Walters expose in 1979, you know, on <laughs> Friday nights, you know, don't sell me out. You know, I always think, wow, he's, you know, but I hear this was a very contentious divorce and I was finalized, you know, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of personal stuff that's playing into this, you know? Yeah. That's a, yeah. That the don't sell me outline sounds more directly autobiographical. And that's something that Bob Dylan would have to worry about because of course, if you're, you're Bob Dylan and you're dating somebody, you do have to worry that they're, yeah. uh, they may be going into it with pure intentions, but if it doesn't work out, then, Hey, they've got something they could sell on you. And that's gotta be pretty terrifying to, to, to know about. Yeah. But it, that's interesting that you've heard some, cause I owe, for some reason, I think in my mind, I heard him say, don't shut me out. I, you know, sort of just don't, don't push me out of your life. Right. You know, right. You know and that's, and maybe if I go back, I, you know, I hear it another hundred times, I'll hear, I'll finally hear sell, but I've always heard, shut me and mm-hmm. that's that's what's lodged into my brain is but sometimes i mishear things obviously when it's when it comes to well, Bob. you know maybe i was w- reading the lyrics as i was hearing it for the first time and that just stuck in my mind too sometimes that would play a trick on you as well if you're reading something as you're listening to so i don't know but i i've always heard it as uh the sell me outline so okay that makes sense uh like i said i also i also love the way the song um fades in uh, Dylan doesn't do that a whole lot with his songs. Uh, mm-hmm. He does it a couple times on Street Legal, Changing of the Guards fades in. Uh, but that's not something he does a whole lot. And again, I kind of like that sound. It's kind of like lulling you into the song a little bit. Like you're kind of getting, you're hearing the, as it's, as the tune it's is kinda, coming in. They hear the beat kind of come yeah. in. And it just kind of uh, comes in, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's it. It's it's really it's kind of lilting in its own way and very uh, although it has it does have that kind of screaming electric guitar and like you were talking about they were going for that kind of big sound. Yeah, you know, yeah, they big a lot were. of the backup singers and the the saxophone and the the screaming guitars and stuff like that. And of course, you know, we all know about the legendary sessions for these things that it was made uh, the way it was recorded made it that much harder because everybody was playing live simultaneously and they all had to hear each other while it was being recorded, which, you know, again, I don't know anything about that world, but according to people that know the stuff, that's like virtually impossible to do correctly. Or it, at least yeah, very that is, yeah, that's, that's hard to do. And I hear it's what recorded in a five day period, like really, really quick. Like, uh, you imagine that he wanted to get these songs out and, you know, this could have been like, after these songs are done, I'm, I'm, I can move on. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I can press on to another chapter of my life once I get these songs out of me, you know, recording so, <laughs> them in five days. And, uh, you know, he didn't want to stick around in the studio too long and just kind of just bang these things out, you know? Yeah. Do you have a particular favorite line from the song? Oh, 
man, I, I love the, 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 the whole little uh, break part with the, the read. I like that whole part of it, but the part I the lines we just spoke about the, uh, the tearjerker that kills me every time, you know, <laughs> on somebody a tearjerker, you know, and I'm under your spell. I mean, to me, that is this. No one's ever called me a tearjerker, Rob. So <laughs> uh, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe that is. Maybe that yeah. is. Uh, yeah. I, I, that verse is my favorite part. The tearjerker yeah. is great. And under, it's kind of an old timey term tearjerker. Yeah. Uh, under your spell, of course, Bob would record a song called "Under Your Spell." Uh, the you know the next decade, and yeah. then again, like like quoted that weekend in hell is making me sweat. There's just something; <laughs> it's somewhat comical. Uh, it sounds desperate and 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 pathetic, but it also does have a slight gets a sort of comedic beat to it, and I can relate to that because I I I at one well, as I was getting into Bob and and I was really really immersing myself. I I was seeing someone who I would see on weekends. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes the weekends went well, other and I times, went and yeah. I went back and I went back home feeling great. And then other times, not so much. And yeah. you know, it really. Uh, I had to go back to work, and I was like, "Oh, that sucked," <laughs> you know. It's just like so. Yeah, this weekend in hell is making me sweat. You yeah, Bobby, you, you understand you me, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel very feel very seen. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, yeah. Now, live wise, uh, this has only been played fourteen times. In, between, in 1978, right? That's it. June and November of 1978, and that was it. Uh, it did not get put on any live albums. It wasn't like on the Budokan record or anything like that. It was done. Now, have you gone – a bunch of these are on YouTube. Have you gone to listen to some of these? I have, yeah. What did you think? You know, they, they, the ones I've heard stay kind of, you know, to the script here, right? I don't mm-hmm. think they vary too much, do they? The ones I've listened to. No, they sound pretty much like what you hear on the the record. Although I do think it's it's funny that um, uh, in between the refrains, he's kind of doing this little slightly like uh, comical preacher thing, where he like, was like uh, he, he's going, "Oh yeah!" And then yeah. one point he's like, "Ah!" Oh, and then one point he goes, "That's right." <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bob. It seems like he's uh, enjoying yeah. himself. A precursor to the next the next few albums, I guess. Uh, maybe so. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, it must not have been something that he really wanted to stick with because it just got that brief, you know, that brief trip around the horn, and then that was it. Never, never done again. Never, he's never I, pulled it out again. I think this record got such bad reviews. I had to, you know, mentally, you have to. If you get bad reviews like that, it's got, you know. It's gotta, it's gotta wear on you a little bit, right? I mean, uh, would you break these songs out uh, when you've got rave reviews from all these other records? Uh, you know, uh, going back to that interview, that back to Martha Quinn, back to that Martha Quinn interview, he's talking about uh, Street Legal, and he's talking about Shot of Love and how they were like misunderstood records and how people didn't get them, and he's still salty. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's still salty that no one, uh, probably the critics, probably didn't get those records, you know, because they were different from Desire. You know, it's the next step up from Desire and the, the release after, and it was it was different, and he didn't, and people didn't understand where it was coming from. So in an interview, he's still a little salty about that, and Shot of Love, he's salty about that too, that people didn't get that. Um, I think I read this record 
peaked at number 11. It didn't break the top 10, but I think in, in England it got all the way up to number two. So it still was a successful record. I think that uh, just critically, uh, they tore him up over it, really. Yeah, I remember uh, some of the critics said like he was like they accused him of going Vegas because he had a big yeah. sound, and it's like yeah. uh, you know. I think Wayne right. Newton. When I hear this, I do. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, really, you're going to hear Journey through Dark Heat and say, "Oh wow, he's really, well, yeah, really going showbiz." Like, come on, what right. are you, <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about? I mean, Give me a break, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe so. I mean, you know, Bob, we don't know the man. I mean, I, I'm sure he's got to have, have relatively thick skin at this point, but. He's still, when you pour so much of your of your heart and soul into something, and then have a bunch of people just dismiss it, uh, yeah, that's probably you know he's a human person like anybody else, and right. he probably you know probably does hurt a bit. Now, I hope that if the reason the street legal songs don't get outings is just because creatively he just doesn't, he just doesn't he's just not connected to them uh, the way he is with some of the other material. I hope that that's it, not because he feels any sort of lingering right, right, shame yeah. about it because it's a great record. I mean, it's just a great, and there, there's a reason why so many Dylan fans are like willing to go to bat for this record, uh, because it is so pilloried and people were like, what are you talking about? I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of tons of, you know, every song in here is really, really at the very least interesting. Uh, there are no, there's no song in there that you're like, it's just a toss off for Pete's sake. You know, they're all yeah. really, really, even ones that are have slightly lesser ambition, like this one. This is one of the more simpler ones, at least compared to, say, No Time to Think, or as I've been mentioned, Journey Through Dark Heat or Changing of the Guards. But still, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of feeling here. There's a lot, there's a lot to, to, to really sink your teeth into with just this song, even something, again, which seems relatively simple. Absolutely. Uh, it's it. It's it's a it's a really nice song. I also like where it is paired up on the record, alongside with "We Better Talk This Over," which is a song that is a great song too. Virtually, those songs kind of go. It's kind of like those kind of those these two songs kind of go hand in hand. Yes, yes. Virtually nobody has ever asked to do that song, and I love that song. I'm waiting for someone to ask to do that one because I love. That's one of I would put that in like my top. 20, 30 songs of his ever. We better talk this that, over. That no one ever thing. asked for it. No, that but, is a great song. And that is, uh, like that, like if, if this is a story, if this album is a story, that is the next, that that song is the next scene. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes, yes, completely. That song you is... Your, you have your weekend in hell. And then, yes, yes, and John, yes. Over, you know? <laughs> John, I'm feeling so seen right now. Again, thank you. Yes, <laughs> that song is like the Monday morning after this weekend in hell. That is totally yeah, what can, it is. Maybe we'll have the laughs, but I don't think it's going to happen. You know. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so excited. I'll talk about... We better talk this over sometime. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, but no, let's go back to True Love Tends to Forget. It's, it's again, it's, it's a marvelous song. And there is something, again, the use of the phrase true love, which, again, kind of old-timey. Bob loves that. But there is, I mean, we know that um, at the time, and, again, I try not to pair up his personal life to these songs because I just don't think that that's, you know, you can't help it, but I don't think it's necessarily worthwhile to, you know, make a, yeah, a one-on-one on one comparison. Yeah. But after he separated from his wife, he was seeing a lot of different women. And again, I don't mean that in any sort of a nasty way or pejorative sense. He just was, he was meeting a lot of people and engaging in relationships. And you have to wonder like the, the phrase, the, the, the phrase true love, is he referring to Sarah here? Is he referring right. to somebody else? What, what's true love? Is that, is that the, the one love that you're talking about? Or is it 
does he mean it in a less sort of deep way of just saying, well, it's a pure love. It's, it's a, uh, mm. if, this, if this was true, we'd be able to kind of work our way through this or, you know what I mean? It's, it's right, to me, that right. phrase is very, very specific. Right. And to me, it, it seems like, you know, true love tends to forget and you're thinking, okay, it, I do think it's about, you know, the relationship that was breaking up and, you know, and you're forgetting, I think you're forgetting that he talks about don't sell me out. He talks of you know, there's some bad stuff happening. But I think for true love, you may forget some of that stuff and continue to try to make things make things work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, this true love, maybe. And you forget the things that make things not, you know, make things rocky, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. It's again, and, the, and the, also the tends to forget, which is not complete, not always. Right. It, tend, it tends to. <laughs> It tends, uh, to. It tends to, tends to, you know, it's just like, and there's, again, there's this sort of like slight shruggy feel to that of like, eh, yeah, you know, it could, but maybe not. Uh, and, and that's kind of a, a kinder, gentler way of putting it as opposed to some of the more strident stuff you, you hear on other songs of his and other songs here on, on this record. But yeah, it's a really, it's a nice little song, you know, not every song can be changing of the guards, you know, the <laughs> nine minute, Epic, right. seemingly epic, encom- epic. encompassing all of existence or no time to think, which seems to, you know, spiral out into the universe uh, kind of way. This is something a little simpler and more down to earth. And that's it's very um, charming and it's very humble uh, in a lot of ways. And that's, again, that's one of the reasons I, I like it. Uh, and uh, I said, it's, it's just a nice, a nice little song. It's a, it's a good song. It's a very good song. Yeah, and uh, like I said, according to your son, Tay-Tay should cover it. So we'll uh, <laughs> you can get her yeah. to get her to after she's done re-recording all her old songs. Uh, <laughs> get her on, get her on doing some some street legal songs. Uh, we are closing in on having covered every song on street legal. Uh, there's only like two or three left, so that's very exciting. We'll be able to sort of say, all right, we've done everything on on street legal. So, well, thank you, John, for uh, for coming on to talk about this song with me. Absolutely, I, I enjoyed it. All right, so before we sign off, I have to ask you the question I've been asking everybody of late, uh, and this question comes from the uh, the, uh, the Pomegranate County Irregulars. And, uh, John, you get invited to a Bob Dylan tribute concert, and you're on first. What song would you perform? Uh, I give, I've given this a lot of thought, and I think I'm going with Band of the Hand with the heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, down okay, these streets, sure. the fool's rule. There's no freedom or self-respect, you know. <laughs> A night point or a trip to the joint. I, is about all you can expect, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I honestly oh you opening, huh? I you were gonna say anywhere in the I would I would sing dark eyes, you know. I'm a bit of a musician. I play harmonica, so I I could I could do dark eyes and I, I would love to do that. But uh, you know, you said opener, so it has to be kind of epic, you know. That's it's I, I'm I'm keeping the question to how it was phrased. And yes, you what what song are you opening uh the concert with? So yeah, Dark Eyes might be a little on this date. Now you mentioned you're a musician. Have you ever covered a Dylan song just in the either in public or the privacy of your own home? The privacy of my home, but I you know, public, no no. But privacy on my home, uh, yeah, you know, it's May fun. I, can we? Can can we? Can I ask what you've what you've attempted? <laughs> I just uh, hmm. Let's see. Positively Fourth Street's always a good one. Uh, this song here, you know, this song here, it's 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 got some nice chord changes in it. You know, you've 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 tried to sing this. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it fun and and or easy to a, play? 
It's okay. I mean, I'm not, I, I've been in a, uh, I've been in a band for, yeah, since 1992 and I'm the lyricist and singer, so I don't really play the instruments. So, oh, wow. So I, uh, you know, so I just casually around the house kind of, uh, you know, play around with things and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fun song to play. You know, you're That's really cool. You're a tearjerker, baby. You, how can you, how can you not want to sing that? You know? Yeah. Do <laughs> you guys have a sax in your band or are these not to have that part of the song? No, we don't have that. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said that would be uh, ambitious. So, well, that's cool. That's a good, you know, that's a good answer. Band of the hand would be a really fun way to start. I have, and that's that a, would people people be like, what in the hell? Yeah. Is- <laughs> I love that song. I know, I, I, <laughs> I know, it's not one of his best, but I really do love that song. That's one of those songs that I think uh, I probably saw the video when it came out. Going back to MTV. And probably got like the tape recorder or something because MTV may play that twice, maybe right. So I, I think I caught it once and with a little tape recorder taped it from the TV so I could have it and listen to it. Otherwise, I would not remember those lyrics to uh, to today. You know, I, there's a video for Band of the Hand. I don't think yeah, I've ever seen yeah, that. There, What's the? Uh, is there it was. Just I mean, movie? that's other. Otherwise, I never would have. Otherwise, I never would have heard that song. You know. What's the video? Is it him? I don't even know. Movie, movie scenes from that oh, movie. Oh, just scenes from the movie. Okay, okay. All right, that makes sense. I don't I know s- if there's any performance. I mean, I haven't seen that. I have not even looked that video up. I have not seen that video since I was a kid. So okay, exist. Yeah, I don't even know. Okay. I saw the movie. I rented it when I worked at the video store in the, in the 90s, but uh, I don't remember seeing a video. I got to check that down. That's, that sounds amazing. Uh, well, very cool. Well, John, thanks so much for, for coming on. I appreciate it. Why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? On the internet, uh, let me see here. On Instagram, you can reach me at InstaHalseygram. And on Twitter, at Sir Halsey. All right. Sounds good, everybody. Check that out. So, uh, of course, uh, if you want to find back episodes of this show, go to our website, finewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to Pod Dylan on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. You can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, Sebastian Krug, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, and Paul Ruther for their support of Pod Dylan. I very much appreciate it. So uh, that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. All right, we're going to take a break now.